Would you please join with me in the prayer of illumination? God of all open our hearts and minds to find your presence in all places. Teach us your unforced rhythms of grace that our lives might reflect your love. With Christ as our guide, we live and pray. Amen. Our message today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Hear these words. Now all the tax collectors, sinners, were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that, I, that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need, to repent, who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and searches carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, we're starting a new sermon series. It'll be three weeks long. And it's taking three core uh, uh, belief statements. Um, one of them is salvation by grace. That's today. Um, uh, next Sunday, it'll be, uh, uh, we believe in a personal God, uh, which Anthony, uh, our director of student ministries, will be preaching. Uh, and the title of that will be, Does God Have Feelings? And then on the third Sunday of the series, our associate pastor, uh, Thea, will be preaching on uh, the belief that our identity uh, should be in Christ. Um, and I look forward to uh, hearing both of those sermons. Th these beliefs are important. They are the foundation, if you will, um, of who we are and how we think about God. Um, and so uh, beginning the fall with these three belief statements uh, are a great way to kind of get our minds in the right place. Um, it's easy to say that we creep over time, right? We creep away from the idea that uh, our salvation is not by what we do, but by the grace of God in us. And we uh, creep by thinking that um, God doesn't have a personal stake uh, in our lives. And we creep by thinking that our identity could be mixed up in so many other things other than Jesus. So for a while... Um, Summer camp in our area for Methodist churches was done at Lakeview, and it was staffed by preachers. I just want to pause there for a second and say that sentence one more time. Summer camp, like 
4th through 12th grade sleepaway camp was done at Lakeview, a wonderful place up in East Texas, and was um, staffed by church workers, but also preachers. All right, you're not gonna laugh at that, so I'm gonna keep on going. Um, One of my esteemed roles at camp was I was a hydration specialist. The purpose here was that I drove a golf cart with ice cold water in coolers, and I made sure during the 100 degree heat that all of the water coolers throughout uh, the camp were full and iced down. Now the perk here is that you got to drive the golf cart. Now, one of the other things one would do if they are driving a golf cart at Lakeview during summer camp is that when things got lost, you went to find them. Or if something that was lost was found, but we weren't really sure whose it was, you were kind of like the, the cavalry to take it to the lost and found box. And I want to tell you at the end of camp with hundreds of kids from fourth grade up to 12th grade, the things that were lost you weren't really sure you wanted to find them. I mean, nothing ever seemed to be found in its clean, original state. You know, I I often think that throughout the um, grounds of Lakeview, there are many unpaired socks that never found their way home. Because in the lost and found box, there was one shoe, or one sock, or it was just, it was tragic. Um, And you try really hard to get people to pick up their lost and found stuff, right? Now, this is sleepaway camp, right? Kids come on buses. They leave on buses. You know, moms and dads have packed their bags. And um, we often thought when we packed Grace Hub that if all of this stuff comes home, it'll be a blessing. (laughs) And if some of it doesn't come home, that's probably good, too. And so as camp wrapped up, you tried to display all of those lost things right there where the buses were picking up the kids. One year, we thought it'd be really cool to create a scarecrow and to put some of the items on the scarecrow, right? Made out of sticks and all, you know, as if to say, are you missing me? Please find me. Uh, It's amazing. A lost and a found. Um, who, who, Who were we to know? that so much of what Jesus preaches and talks about is the story of, are you missing? If so, we know who you belong to. So our scripture passage today is two particular stories that talk about being lost and being found. One is about a man, a shepherd, um, who has lost one sheep, leaves the 99 to find the one. The second story is about a woman who loses one of 10 coins roughly probably about $10 in today's uh, economy, um, and uh, lights uh, a lamp, sweeps the house, and finds the one coin. Now, there's also, if you keep reading down, there's a third story about lost and found, but as opposed to the 1% loss of the shepherd or the 10% loss of the woman, the story of the prodigal son is the story of a 50% loss. And so these three stories gathered together gives us a great picture of how Luke, um, the author, sees these particular moments. Now, 
Um, let's take a few moments just to kind of walk through the uh, loss of the 99, right? Uh, or the loss of the one, right? So a shepherd, um, a shepherd leaves the one to find the 99. Now it's important for you to know that 99 or 100 sheep, that was a rich man's flock, right? This is not just some casual shepherd with a couple of sheep, but this is uh, probably somebody who's put some investment in. And so in our world of um, everything being bigger and better, the idea of leaving 99 sheep, and if you read the passage there, it says the shepherd leaves them in the wilderness. This isn't like, you know, in a makeshift pen where the shepherd can come back to them. It isn't like um, in a neighbor's um, particular uh, fenced-in area. It's not a, a pasture that they know. No, this is when one is lost, Jesus says, you know, I love the way he begins it. What man wouldn't, right? It's kind of one of those positive statements about certainly you would leave the 99 to find the one. What man wouldn't, right? Of course, um, no man would. No man would leave 99% of his wealth to go find the one. But remember, Jesus is telling us stories of the kingdom. He's telling us stories of these upside-down place where individuals are loved and valued, where people who are lost are found, where the God of the universe cares deeply about you and me. And so um, the uh, shepherd goes off to find the one, brings it back, and uh, throws a party, right? Notice in both of these stories about lost and found, that it's people doing their regular daily job. It's a shepherd watching the sheep. It is a woman cleaning house. And in the midst of their doing life, something happens. Now, um, I loved um, Thea's uh, theological conversation with the kids, right? Because what does the yo-yo do um, to get found? Nothing. Right? When you look at these passages, all of the action verbs are done by those who are looking. Right? The shepherd um, does the actions. He leaves, he goes after, he finds, he lays it on his shoulders, he rejoices, he comes home and calls together his friends for a party. So too the woman does the same. Right? The woman lights a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully, finds, and calls together her friends for a party. Sometimes in church, we spend way too much time talking about how horrible and lost the lost are. If the lost were smarter, they'd get found. If the lost knew what was at stake, they'd show up in the pews and not make us have to work so hard, those of us who are found, trying to find the lost. But notice Jesus' logic here is that the burden is not on the coin to be found, but on the searcher to go looking. So both parables also end in a party. Luke likes this idea of heaven as a party. And so what do you do if, you are, um, if you've lost one coin out of 10 and you find it? Um, he, the coin was worth $10, but you throw a party that's worth 20 or 30. Okay, probably not the world of frugality, but it certainly is the world that God lives in. 
Um, again, so uh, um, I want to point out also that Luke often pairs stories of men and women together. Uh, Luke's not one to necessarily say, the women are over here and we'll deal with them next year, uh, and the men are here, let's talk to them. And, and so you get the story of the shepherd and the woman at home. You also get a story of Zechariah and Elizabeth in chapter one, Simeon and Anna in chapter two, a man with an unclean spirit, and Simon's mother-in-law in chapter four. This is just something to think about as you're reading through the Gospel of Luke. Find those stories uh, where Luke puts together men and women. I want to say a few words about the world that we live in. Uh, it, it's quite common for us to um, allow a 1% loss to happen or a 10% loss to happen. When we think about um, uh, those things that are lost and those things that are found, our world uh, it runs uh, off of a big box idea. Um, I was amazed. Um, a friend of mine had ordered something from Amazon. It had shown up. It was a big, bulky item. It was the wrong item. And um, that person went ahead and told Amazon that it wasn't the right one and they were sending it back. And Amazon said, don't worry about it. We don't wanna pay the shipping for it. We'll send you another one that's the right color. Can I tell you how upside down the world of Jesus is lost and found is in a world of Amazon and free shipping? It, it is no small thing to leave the 99 and to find the one in a world of mass marketing, in a world where even churches feel like they are big box and that they are in the mass production of Christians. I love Joel Osteen. He's doing a media push these days. Nothing against Joel. Joel catches people into church that probably wouldn't show up in our pews. And it's a good message this year, hope again. But it's hard for me to believe that Joel, as a shepherd, knows all the 99,000 um, that go to his church. When you come down to it, it's hard to talk to engineers about leaving the 99 to find the one. It is not cost effective, it is not time efficient, but it is the way that the gospel works. Because it may be life or death, especially if you're the one sheep that's lost. I have a friend who pastors in Nacogdoches. Um, his name's Kyle Childress. He's at Austin Heights Baptist Church, which is the most non-Baptist church I've ever known in my life. Um, he is a progressive, liberal Baptist, might I remind you, in Nacogdoches. Um, he tells a story um, a few years ago that he was at a wedding reception and that he'd conversation with a woman who had been raised in that church and had moved off. She'd moved off and become a uh, teacher in the public schools of New Orleans. And she said there that it is a powerful thing to be a teacher there, that she says she's called to be there, that she was telling uh, Kyle of all the extraordinary challenges faced by the teachers and students in her part of the city and how each and every student counts. And she says, there's an enormous difference in my world from having 19 students to having 20 because you're used to the round number of 20. And if you only have 19, you spend most of the year wondering where is the 20th? I think it's a beautiful story of thinking about how the lost and the found come together. 
One of my favorite authors is Wendell Berry. Uh, Wendell writes short stories and um, very kind of Americana stories. He uh, loves to write about things in the South. Wendell has uh, one particular uh, short story that I think lifts up Luke 15. His short story, Watch With Me, is kind of an extended meditation, if you will, on the community caring for others, specifically one particular member of the small town who has mental health problems. This member of the community is nicknamed Nightlife because he tends to kind of wander off in the midst of the night. So as the other characters throughout the story um, put it, um, he gets um, Nightlife kind of, how do they say it? He has a spell come over him. And when the spell comes over him, he goes to wandering and he goes to acting erratically. And so the townspeople themselves circle around him and keep him safe. And Wendell tells the kind of ins and outs about how everybody makes sure to keep nightlife safe. And the story ends um, out in the country uh, in a barn where everyone's gathered and nightlife is there. And nightlife decides that he's going to stand up um, at a hay bale and begin preaching. It's not something that nightlife did often. Barry writes, Nightlife says, Though Christ, in speaking this parable, asks his hearers to think of the shepherd, Nightlife understood it entirely from the viewpoint of the lost sheep, who could imagine fully the condition of being lost and even the hope of rescue, but could not imagine rescue itself. Nightlife says, oh, it's a dark place, my brethren. It's a dark place where the lost sheep tries to find his way and can't. The slopes are steep and the footing is hard. The ground is rough and stumbly and dark. And overgrown with bushes and briars, a hillary and hollery place. And the shepherd comes a-looking and a-calling to his lost sheep. And the sheep knows the shepherd's voice, and he wants to go to it, but he can't find the path, and he can't make it. Those gathered in the barn marvel at nightlife's story, because they knew that nightlife knew what he was talking about. They knew what it was like for nightlife to know he needed to be found, but couldn't find the way. Luke 15 gives us a blueprint for church life and for the love of our neighbor, uh, for our willingness to go beyond the walls and to reach others. It also reminds us that coins and sheep don't get found unless we go looking with the love that God has. I want to contrast for you right here at the end. Um, You know, Luke uh, has this important Um, kind of motif and theme about being lost and found. And um, John, uh, John's gospel, uh, talks a lot about um, uh, some other signs and wonders. I find it interesting that Jesus, the good shepherd, could be contrasted with how John talks about the high priest Caiaphas. Do you remember what Caiaphas says as Jesus comes before trial and um, they're about to crucify him? and, And Caiaphas says, Don't you understand that it's better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed? In other words, Caiaphas and his kind say that sometimes it's okay, even necessary, 
to sacrifice someone or something for a greater cause, for the bottom line, for freedom, for victory, for efficiency, for a brighter future, or go on and name other things. In a world of Caiaphases, the church is called to be a good shepherd. In a world of Caiaphases, we care about the one because we remember what it was like to be the one that was lost and what it meant to be found. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.